Hello everyone, welcome to Sack King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me. As always, we've got John. It's been a couple weeks since we talked, but we're back. Trying to break down the latest King's action. <laughs> Whatever that may be. Um, you know, and we're still in August, late August. Um, not the most exciting time or, you know, news-filled time for basketball in general. Although the FIBA World Cup is happening. Um, I don't think there's any Kings. But yeah, latest news around around the Kings hub is Kings brought back former King. Kings brought back former King. Scala Bissier to a, like what, partially guaranteed contract. Just starting off there and like, I don't know, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, you know, they're just, they're uh, obviously going to make sure that they don't run into the same issue they had last season. They're going to assess a good amount of bodies in training camp. Now does Scala have a chance to make the team? Well, to start, they're probably only going to carry three true centers and include Trey Lyles in there. So you have four options, essentially. So you're going to have Sabonis. Lens on a guaranteed contract. So basically, you got one of the three, Noel, Nerland's Noel, uh, not the holiday. Um, it means Christmas. We've been over this. but uh, We can go over it again. No, we don't. We don't need to do that. We but, need stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, Nerland's Noel, Nemus Keda, and Scala Bissier. Uh One of them will probably make the team. And then what happens to the other two? Maybe they play for Stockton, maybe they don't. I don't know. But LeBissier is going to have to prove that he's better than basically Nerlens Noel and even Nemus Keda to even really have a shot at that. But, yeah, I mean, that center, that center situation is kind of interesting because you seemed, a year ago, it's like, there's so so much complacency and like satisfaction, like out of complacency from satisfaction of like oh Sabonis Holmes, at least amongst the fan base, because clearly the Kings did try to move Holmes last off season, couldn't quite do it, you know you hold on to him, but still it's like well he's gonna back you up, you, you gotta think about that positively, and <laughs> you know you got Alex Len who is if he's your third center that's a great third center, and then kind of. They ended up having to juggle around pieces. You saw a lot of Chemezi Metu. You saw... A little too much Chemezi Metu. Probably. You just had a lot of good moments, and you had a lot of moments where it's like, this guy can't be your primary backup five. Where is Metu? Phoenix? Yeah. He said Phoenix. Phoenix. (laughs) All right. Good Good luck to you, Phoenix. Chemezi Metu. You deal with him. Well, I thought it was interesting because Chemezi Metu on the TNT game against the Nets... He got into it with Kevin Durant was they were going into a timeout. Yeah. I remember writing about it in the recap, kind of going like, this is a great night for everybody except Chemezi Metu, who was the yeah. only per- I think he was the only person that had a minus, like his plus minus was the only one in the negative. <laughs> He's mouthing off to, to Kevin Durant. Chemezi Metu, mouthing yeah. <laughs> off to Kevin Durant. And I'm just like, man, know your place. But now they're teammates. <laughs> that chemistry is just going to be fantastic. Even, okay, do you think Kevin Durant even knows who Chemezi Metu is? Like, this who? Yeah, he probably doesn't. Yeah, no idea. Who do we get? CM. Oh, you got KD and CM. CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ah, it's a shame Metu's not on the team. That would have been a great nickname for uh, this season. CM Punk. Uh-huh. I like it. Too bad we didn't think of it. Um, 
For all you Suns fans out there. For all you Suns fans, you WWE fans, comment if you're going to go to the SmackDown episode <laughs> September 29th. I'll be there. Uh, anyone wants to say hello? <laughs> Tony, will, Tony will tweet out his section and seat number. And uh, he'll do a raffle. I'll and be- whoever wins gets to spend the night. Not the night. I should be careful I say this. Gets to spend the event sitting next to Tony's wife. Yeah. You get a date with Tony's wife. Here you go. My wife. All right. Uh, we clearly have a bunch on the docket to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, before we get into talking about the centers a little bit more, um, although that was a good chunk of news, it was a piece of news that was interesting to Kings fans. I mean, I don't want to undersell the Labissier thing because, you know, he got drafted by the Kings in 2016 um, out of Kentucky. He was a guy that Kings fans were high on. Tony, in fact, was your first article for... My first article, I used to write for uh, Cabell Kingdom for a second as an intern. My first article was in, what, 2020... No, 2018. 2018? It was 2018. I think it was Scal's third year in SAC. What is going into his third year? Because he's drafted in 2016. It's 2016, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19. Yeah. So it was going into his third year, his last year in SAC, um, was saying how, because I remember Scal bulked up a lot going into that season. It's like, look at this guy. That's when you kind of assumed he was going to be a center. And he had just drafted Marvin Bagley as well. So he was going to have to fight for some minutes. And we had Harry Giles as well still. So I'm like, dang, we got Bagley. We got Labissier. We got Harry Giles. Man, <laughs> look at this. Look at these trees out here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Clearly, clearly, my article just just was nonsense. Cause... But but the point is, is that Lobisier, you know, it, 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 kind of as opposed to maybe like Papayanis, where you didn't really... Papayanis was there. Like it felt like Lobisier had like there was a belief. Like people were kind of excited. He there was ended an, his rookie season so well. Mm-hmm. He killed. I, I think he scored twenty points in a quarter in his rookie season. And it was like kind of towards the end where he was getting a little more playing time. It's like, oh, like we got we got a guy, and then he just never really panned out. And I think we all held on to that twenty point quarter. And he had the he had like the fundamental not fundamentals, but he had like the he had a great mid range game, back to the basket mid range game, which you don't really see in the NBA anymore. Not like that. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun to watch. And it's like, man, like he can knock that down on a consistent basis. He probably got a spot in this league, but. He, like, I was telling John, he was just kind of came up around a time where he was more of a power forward, but kind of anyone, anyone over 6'10 is kind of transitioning into the center role, regardless. Um, and yeah, and he was like almost a stretch five, where it's like he kind of believed he could be it, but he just never really developed that three point shot. He's just like, well, kind of just stuck in between. I call it like the Michael Beasley, where it's like, you're too small to be a power forward, but you're too just a little unathletic enough to be a small forward, mm-hmm. like Derek Williams too. That's what I call it. It's like which what are you? Yeah. There's like stuck in between the two. Yeah, size and weight wise, I don't know, but I feel like Scott was that between the power forward and center. Yeah, because one of the questions I had after they signed him for you was, do you think? Because it seemed like as you kind of laid out there, it was that powerful. Power forward was his main position, right? I, on the Kings, it was. Right. And so with the, the league being fully, you know, ingrained in, it, 
when they got him, it was that transitionary period to where we're at now, with it being kind of established that he is a five. He's not going to be playing a four. I mean, I think, I I assume so now he's right. going to be a five. Some people, I, I, I mean, you wrote an article on it, I posted it. Some people were commenting that, like, no, he's not a five, he's a power forward. But... Yeah, let's ask Mike Brown. I don't think it, Mike Brown not has a, something different to say. Yeah, there's not a lot of 6'10". He's 6'10 and 240, isn't he? Yeah. That's a center in this yeah, league. It, yeah, he, he's going to be a center. He, if he can stretch the floor, then maybe you can play him at the four, but... But he, he won't at a high club. Yeah. He's... It's one of those things, though. It's just like reading up on his draft profile and stuff like that. Didn't really shoot the three ball well at Kentucky, but he was always that... We're two months off, basically, of the the draft talk that we were doing, and it just seems like one of the funniest things that's so common in that is just like didn't shoot very well, but he's got all the fundamentals to develop the three point shot, which is just such an empty promise for so many people, Scalabasier included. But he shot really well at like basketball summits and those kind of like non collegiate play, you know, uh, places to exhibit your skill set and stuff like that. And one of the things that he told Sean Cunningham after he signed. This or uh, got basically what's essentially just an invite to camp, an opportunity, is that you know he said all the right things like yeah I've matured as a person and as a player I'm not really the same guy that I was three years ago when I was last year, but one of the things that was interesting is he said that he's really been working on his shooting, and that's really going to be the key. Not only is it going to be the key to maybe him playing the four like some people are commenting, but it's the key to him even having a chance on the roster. Yeah, because that would be what separates him. From the other centers, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, he—it'd be interesting. Scal, I mean, like I hate, I, you know, because I don't like Scal. Looking at his jump shot, he has a smooth jumper. It's the distance for him, you know, where it's like you look at Davion. It's like, yeah, he has potential, but I feel like that's kind of a stretch. Where it's like Scal, it's like he can hit a deep mid range, like. Uh, like who's a good example who can hit like even Fox where it's like you're so good at the mid range like you move yourself five feet back though it's like oof it starts to you know yeah. that's Scal essentially he's I mean uh, just any mid range guy Demar Derozan you can yeah. hit the mid range well but you step behind that arc it's just it gets a little different and I mean I, that's what he really needed to work on was that range um, but I, he has a great shooting form he, he had a lot of arc he had a good motion so. Hopefully he did work on it, and he's a guy I believe could actually make the step to be a stretch five because he just has such good mechanics. Will he? I don't know, but I I think it's more believable than other players. Like I think he can. I honestly do think that. Yeah, and I don't think that the Kings would have just made him this invite if they didn't think that was at least somewhat possible. That's true. Now, well, granted, he didn't really shoot the three ball very well in his G League. We've been playing in the G League the last three years. I yeah. Yeah, and then so, so I think, it was in like, his, I think there was only like two years of stats, though. I think he was in like Puerto Rico or something last year. I, I think that's a G League team, though. No, he was in like Mexico City, oh, which is a G that's League the one team. That's a G League team. Well, point being, though, is that the only, you know it's not really helping his cause, and a lot of it's speculation, because we, as well as a lot of other people that are familiar with the Kings, despite having watched Scalabas here uh, when he was drafted and whatnot, you really don't know what you're going to get out of this guy at this point. He's three mm-hmm. years removed from being in the league. He's been working on stuff. He's really a question mark at this point. Whereas, I mean, you know, like we know what we're going to see out of Nevis Kata. We know what we're going to see out of Alex Glenn. Noel's kind of a question mark, but you kind of have an idea. It's such a vet like that. Yeah. Lavissier is kind of a wild card. 
Yeah. Interesting. Very intriguing. And I like I said, I don't think the front office brings him in if they, they just for the hell of it. Just a feel good story. Make him feel better, you know? The the franchise needs to do the guy right. I don't think they're just doing that. No. They're not doing that fake 49er type crap. <laughs> It was such an issue. I mean, I was just, you know, I was just lounging around one day and I looked at my phone. I'm like, we got Scala Bissier. Am I reading this right? Like, just so random. Like I, like I said, I like Scala and everything, but like, Kings don't owe him anything. It was just, okay. I mean, good for Scala. He's obviously worked on something to get a yeah. training camp invite at this point in his career. It was just random, though. I, I mean, I like Scala. I'm not, like, upset with this. It was, okay. I do think there was a... Because there was a report that Harry Giles was doing a, lurk, a workout in, in yeah. Vegas, and I think there was one for Labissiere too. Mm, okay, and that was uh, during summer league, so early July. Yeah, because Giles worked out for some teams. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Giles. When was the last time Giles was in the the league? The league? I don't know. Two two seasons ago in Portland, because he really seemed like. You know, like Labissiere had like the high ceiling imagined. You know, people had the high ceiling imagined for him, but it just seemed like. Giles, it seemed like it was such a big mistake when they didn't extend that, that, uh, was it a qualifying offer? It was a qualifying. And so it basically allowed him to just be an unrestricted free agent. That just seemed like such a big mistake because it seemed like his floor was so solid. So to see him not really find footing in the league elsewhere was kind of shocking. I wasn't surprised when they didn't extend that qualifying offer. He hadn't played really in his time in sack. He I think he sat out his rookie year because he had a knee injury. Um, and then he didn't. He didn't really play much in his second year, so I think by the third year, and I think that was when they didn't extend the qualifying offer. Yeah, it's like whatever at this point. It's just I, it, and clearly he's not in the league for a reason. I like Giles a little undersized. He's a, again between the power forward center, but he's over six ten, so he's a center. But that dude looks like he weighs like a buck eighty mm-hmm. for being six ten. Great passer, and that's what was kind of like his ceiling. And he's supposed to have a good mid range. I don't know if he ever really developed it, or it was good in, at the NBA level. But he was a good passer for a big, and a lot of people liked that. But man, that guy had to put on some weight because he was very thin. That would be interesting. The passing element, though, had the Kings. That's true. He he is a good passer. He's a very good passing big man. But that I just don't. Like I, it's that whole thing of like, well, let's get a backup five at the limit that does what Sabonis does. It's like. They're never going to be the hub that Sabonis is. Mm-hmm. Why try for 10 minutes a game? They tried for with Giles, honestly. Giles ran the offense at points when he was mm-hmm. out on the floor during his time. Because he was actually not too bad at the end of his stay in sack. And I think Luke Walton's first year, 1920. 1920? <laughs> yeah. 2020? So that was... <laughs> he said 1920. Oh, no. I was thinking 19-20. Oh. The 1920. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... <laughs> The 2019-2020 season, I believe, was Walton's first year um, because the 18-19 I was, was... going to say, though, 19-20, like, I don't think they were playing with nets <laughs> on the rim then, were they? <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, so I think because he didn't come back to the Kings after that year. That was the year the Kings actually got Alex Lynn the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I think he went to Portland for preseason. I don't know if he played. Harry Giles did. So I think, I guess his last time in the league was... 2020, I guess. Now, here's a real question about Harry Giles. Is his name Harrison Giles? <laughs> That's a great question. Harrison, we, why is I, it honestly, not Harry Barnes? I know. I, I We call him Harry Barnes. Is his but, name Harrison Giles, though? I don't know. I doubt it. It can't be. Well, we, maybe it is. What else would Harry's it be? Harry's going to be short for Harold. 
It's either Harold or Harrison. That's a good point. I, mean, I need to look it up now. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, some people just go with your name I think, Bobby. I think it is just Harry. Yeah. His name's Harry. Okay. Well, cool. Okay, so that. Yeah, I guess. But Scalabissier, back Who? on the team. <laughs> bring back Marvin Bagley while we're at Oh my it. god, they should just bring them all back. Yeah. I just, <laughs> Papianis. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, who else here? Um, uh, I don't know. Go all the way back to Jason Thompson. How old is he? Like 40 now? Jason Thompson, JT? dude. Can you bring back Jason Thompson on Exhibit 10? Oh, man. He's trying to get his record back for most games played in sack. Or he honestly probably still holds that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's, Fox it is sad. crazy because he sucked. Yeah. <laughs> he was... He never, I don't think he ever looked good. If you can tell me what college Jason Thompson went to, I'll give you 20 bucks. No, I'm not going to be able to get it. Yeah. I think it's, it's Ryder. Really? Yeah, I've never even heard of the college. Ryder. I know you, Ryder. It's right. The power forward out of Ryder. Jason Thompson. I don't know if I did that right, but you know Scott Moak. But Well, yeah. nobody can be Scott Moak except Scott Moak. Scott Moak's a stud. Scott Moak and Mears. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Scott. We, we actually have a good announce team. I like the Scott Fresh Shower, too. The MC guy that's on the floor. Oh, He's pretty good, too. There was that, like, the All-Star game and stuff. That's dope. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Scalabissier. Scalabissier. Almost, you know, kind of uh, in a in a uh, an exaggerated way is a perfect example of running it back. <laughs> You're really running it back when you bring back Scalabissier. But Mike Brown had his kind of his first interview of the offseason, I would say. I mean, technically, I think he had that one interview during one of the Summer League games. But those are always kind of just informal and... Yeah, but it was interesting. You know, he was talking about how excited he is that they're they're bringing guys back, and it kind of drives in the point that it's like, man, if these guys can just do a little bit better on defense and capitalize in high pressure situations, which they did pretty decently last season. Yeah, um, Fox did. Like that is just <laughs> freaking Fox, Clutch Player of the Year, man. If he doesn't win it again this year, cut him. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of him. Oh my god. But, um, yeah, uh, Mike Brown seems to think that, you know, that that's obviously going to come in and help. And one of the things that he said that was interesting about the new additions, you know, he was kind of saying the same old stuff about Vizenkov because he was just saying, yeah, you know, a great shooter, quick trigger, like tough guy. Okay, yeah, we don't know what he's going to be like in the NBA. Great. <laughs> but it was interesting because he was kind of admitted. He was like, yeah, I didn't really watch Duarte at, at Oregon. And then... I didn't even really know much about him in Indiana, but I've watched him in a few scrimmages and pickup games this summer. I like his game. Smooth, you know, can score from all three levels. But one of the things he kind of pinpointed about him was his size. And he, I think he, Mike Brown has some high expectations for Duarte on defense. And, you know, I guess Duarte's backup is technically Kessler Edwards. Yeah. Like, like the guy behind him on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. And Kessler Edwards has proven that he can make a com- considerable difference on the defensive end without being a major, you know, uh, buzzkill on offense. Yeah. Maybe you'd like to see him shoot a little better from three, but, you know, he, he gave you what you needed to do. Mm. Um, and the team's deep. Do you think that Chris Duarte is just going to be in the rotation all year, or do you think there's going to be kind of like changes there? 
Man, because do you think of him as like a like? I don't think of him as a bad defender, but like I never was like he's great. You know? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, but I mean what, what Mike Brown does with him and what he does in a new environment could be different, but it could be situational for sure. I mean, Edwards is the better defender. Um, I mean, Chris Duarte is better all around, yes, more so than Kessler Edwards, but big time. I mean, sometimes you need that defense, and I mean, that's going to be Edwards' job. I think Duarte will be the, the main guy off the bench, though, most nights for that backup three position behind Barnes. And thank God we didn't talk about I mean, we're going to say it now. It's like, we finally got a backup three for Barnes and watch Duarte just suck. Or get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be crazy either. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's Duarte's to lose. It's... We'll see, though. You know, he, yeah. he didn't play too much last season. Had a down year. He was hurt. Um, didn't play as well as he did coming off his, you know, really good rookie year where I think he was first team all rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, outside of Fox and Sabonis, you need to do two things well on the Kings: play defense, shoot the three ball well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kessler Edwards. Already does one of those things really well. And he has shown potential that he can play a little, you know, or not play a little. He can shoot the three ball well. Um, but I still think it's Duarte's to lose. A little more experience. It seemed like he has a higher ceiling than Edwards. And still a young player. Yeah. Might as well try to develop him still. Not develop him, but he's, I mean, he's not a young player. He's an older rookie. He's mm-hmm. like 26. But still, he's only in his third year. Injury riddled already. But, um... Yeah, he seems like the better player. Yeah, but we'll see. That I mean, the defense is going to be important. It was Terrence Davis? You know, didn't play much last season. TD. He's still not signed. Yeah. Right, we can talk about that in a second. One of the things I wanted to say about Duarte, though, about Mike Brown's comments too, is he was talking about him being smooth with the ball in his hands and all that stuff, being able to get his own shot and you know shoot off the the catch and whatnot and all that stuff. But the way he was talking about him did make it seem like you know. It confirmed what we kind of assume that he's going to be another one of those kind of ball handling options. Mm-hmm. And especially with like the absence of a, granted a third point guard's not in the rotation, but it's just like, again, you have ample bodies that can kind of handle that, all, all that stuff. But one of the things that I just thought about was, you know, I think James Ham wrote an article, you know, James Ham dealing with the same stuff we're dealing with, which is, what do I write about? <laughs> well, he wrote a good article. He's like, well, how can the Kings main, keep Malik Monk next season? Kind of standard article and whatnot. But it got me thinking. I'm like, well, I remember when they drafted Colby Jones. I texted you. I'm like, Colby Jones in two or three years could play a similar role as Monk. You know, kind of like that two-guard secondary ball handler that can, you know, maybe not necessarily be Monk, but fill that kind of role. Yeah. And then I'm just thinking, too, I'm like, well, Duarte's exactly like that, too. Like, he can yeah. kind of fill that role as well. And so... You know, kind of coming off talking about the centers, which we'll get back into, but it's just like having that insurance, having extra bodies and whatnot. I mean, even if Duarte, even if he, something happens this season where he plays himself out of the rotation for segments or whatnot, he's an option to have to give a bigger role to to develop with the team in case they can't retain Malik Monk. You know, because, like, Colby Jones, like, let's say Malik Monk is just, you can't sign him next season. Will Colby Jones be ready to, like, step up and fill that role? Probably not. No. I don't think so, because I don't think he's going to play a lot this season. No. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Colby Jones didn't do anything with his career. 
<laughs> That's fair. He's a second round pick. Yeah, I mean, tell me the last great second round Kings draft pick, other than Isaiah Thomas. Jemias Ramsey. Robert Woodard. Oh, who is the little point guard? Kyle uh, Guy. Ma- McCollum. Ray, Ray McCallum. Ray, Ray McCallum, yeah. He played a little and then did nothing afterwards. Yeah, they tried to make him their backup, backup point guard as a rookie, right? I think Didn't he play so. like some rotational minutes there? I remember at the end of his rookie season, he started and he scored like, he had like a 20 and 10 game against the Lakers. Everyone's like, this is the guy. <laughs> like in game 78, and we're already like, the Lakers suck too. Yeah. But, yeah, Ray McCallum. This, but, I mean, second rounders, is, I always say it, are second rounders. Name is Kata. Kata, man. Kata, they just won't let, they won't, they would just. <sighs> Although the Kings trade away a lot of good second rounders, I feel like. like I feel God. like we got rid of Kenyon Martin Jr. Mm. We traded, um, man, he's on the Rock. I think he's on the Rockets, too, this other guy, last season. Man, I don't remember their names. The second round pick from last season? Mm-hmm. Or, no, we traded. Like, we we always, like, draft them and trade them the same night. But last year, was Jaden Hardy or Jalen Hardy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's on the Mavs. Oh, he's on the Mavs, yeah. Different Texas team. I think it was him, yeah. Yeah, because he's been pretty solid. He's had some good moments. I think he one of the games where the Kings and Mavericks played back-to-back games, I think it was the first one, I think he had, like, a, like a really good quarter. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that guy. <laughs> Kings draft that guy. Yeah, I think there was one other guy that Kings traded to. It's like, why don't you keep these guys and trade the Kadas? No, he's 7'3". Or how tall is Kada? He's 7'1". He might be 7'1". Yeah. Um, I don't know. Once you get to the 7' foot range. Because I feel like even when you look up Alex Len, some people have him listed as 7'1", seven 7'0". Foot seven, seven foot. <laughs> I don't know. Does it make a difference? You're over 6'11". Yeah. Honestly. You're in a class of its own. That's true. But one yeah. sanity. But that's, but that's just kind of like an interesting thought about Duarte because it was just interesting to hear Mike Brown kind of like note that. Yeah, I don't really know anything about him. I'm just doing my homework on him now. I'm like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> McNair calls him Brown, dude. I just traded for Chris Duarte. Who? <laughs> Who? What? Dude, Chris Duarte. Duarte. She's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh him, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, we needed a center. Yeah, Chris I mean, a wing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Chris Darte. <laughs> Darte. That's what Mike Brown called him. Darte. <laughs> Fucking clown. <laughs> the Darte Club. <laughs> We're throwing Dartes. <laughs> Anyways, Chris Darte. Cool. We'll see. But getting back to the fun part, the most interesting part of this offseason so far, the center role, Man. the backup center role. Who's right. gonna get it? Well, the third, I guess, center, assuming Sabonis. Assuming Sabonis will start. I don't if know. If he can hang on. Nemias Kata. Nemias Kata. Yeah. You know, giving him a run for his money. Oh, but uh, there's, what, four guys fighting for that third that third center spot that Lynn had last year behind Metu. We got Lynn, Noel. I think, I think you already said the names earlier, but Lynn, Noel, Kata, and now Labissier. Who do you think's going to get that third center role? How about we assess? Assess. Why don't we go through each of these guys? Maybe not grade them, but go through categories and go off of a point system here. Because, you know, if we look at, like, different aspects of the game of basketball as a center, you know, awareness, chemistry and comfort with the team, interior defense, the ability to switch on defense, rebounding, inside scoring, and jump shooting. If we go through... Maybe, because there's four guys.
talking about, right? Including Lynn. Yeah. Because, you know, just, Lynn's going to be on the roster, but he's, while I do think he has a good chance to be the backup center, I mean, it's, nothing's guaranteed. No. <laughs> Noel could show up and be that guy that everybody thought he was going to be, or be that guy that he was in New York. Yeah. And then that'd be awesome. Yeah. But, you know, so I think it's fair to go through. Maybe we go through, give. You know, for each of those categories, we rank the best guy, maybe the second best guy. The mm-hmm. other two don't get any points. Maybe do two points for the best, one point for the second best. Sure. So there's not too much separation. I like it. And, uh, yeah. Add it up, and whoever does it, we're going to write a strongly worded letter to Mike Brown, showing mm-hmm. him our studies, our, our uh, what do you, what would you call us? Our, uh, our data. Our data. Our we're gonna data. We're going to this. <laughs> it's a little half slip of paper. Put it in one of those big envelopes. Just going to mail it to Golden One Center. Just Mike Brown. <laughs> Do the address. Mike Brown. Don't even put stamps on it. Put it right in the mailbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, first one. What's the category starting off well, Let's with? start with awareness, which would basically include just floor awareness, what to do with the ball, passing awareness, you know, making the right move. Um, okay. Let's start here. Let's I'm, start with who's not going to get it. Let's just say that Kate is not. <laughs> yeah. just, Kate is probably Scal too is probably last because yeah, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be able to compete with the other two considering their veteran status. Yeah, that's not necessarily a condemnation of uh, Scal and Kata, although it kind of is. Um, Len and Noah have been in the league for so long; they've carved out careers because they've been able to, especially Len, just be able to put his head down and do the right thing, which is why I would make the argument, especially maybe with the continuity aspect, which I think definitely comes into play and gives Len an advantage in these first two categories. I mean, obviously the second one's going to go to Len, but we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) I kind of would make the argument that Len would have the best awareness, not by huge margin, slim margin there, but only because we were kind of noting the fact that Noel, despite being that veteran, you know, he had a weird season last year. We don't know what he's going to bring to the table necessarily. I think it would be fair to give Len that first go. I agree. So I, I, I oh, like no that. pushback. <laughs> I don't got no pushback. I don't, no. I don't got much on Noel. I don't blame you. Team chemistry, though? Team chemistry. I mean, Len. Len's got to go number one. Len's got to go one, clearly, because he's been on the team. And uh, then you got to go with the guy that played on the team last season. Kata. Kata. Yeah. Yep. I mean, are there any connections? Does no? I mean, Scal knows Fox. Scal knows. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it's crazy. Wow. It's got to be Kata. Yes. And I don't think Noel any Noel knows anybody. If Rashawn Holmes was still on the team, he's got <laughs> pals. So Kata gets some points. Kata, oh, Kata, he's he's above Scal on the uh, entire well, for, for now, yeah, well, <laughs> tied with Noel. Kate has got a shot. He's in second place. This is really, it's like watching a race, uh, horse racing right now. Lynn's running away though. Interior defense. Again, it's going to, like we started, I'm sorry, it's not going to be Scal. That's not going to be Scal. Definitely not Scal because that's not what is not necessarily his strength. Kata, that is kind of his strength, but watch our summer league breakdown of Kata. Yeah. A little bit delayed reaction time. He's He has great size and whatnot, but he can really negate that by taking his eye off the ball and not being quick instinctually. So he's good, and that's obviously one of the more intriguing things about him is his ability to block shots and protect the rim. But is he better than Lynn and Noel? I would say no. no. 
But who who would you give number one to? How was Noel's interior last season? Well, it was pretty good in limited action, though. Mm. The one thing I'd say is, if I was going, if this was a year ago and we were talking about this, I'd say Noel because Noel is quicker to the ball. He's, I think, he's quicker on his feet. He can get that reaction time up. But I, it's a little closer now because what Lynn showed, especially late last season, was that okay, he can move. I mean, it's. It's surprising, but it's also not surprising because we've seen Lynn play. We kind of know it. But when he busts his tail to kind of get there and get a block, he, he does it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's Lynn, very good at it. Lynn was really good. Yeah, very good quickness season. for that size. Yeah. And I think he was another one of those guys, along with Trey Lyles, that came into camp in really, really good shape. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine he'll do the same thing. So it's a little close. Um, I'm going to give it to Len again. Let me put out this stat, though. Career blocks per game, it's not even close. Len averages just under 1 at 0.9 per game. Noel, 1.5. The year okay. that he played with the New York Knicks and had that really good year as the backup, I think he averaged over 2. I think it was 2.1 or 2.2, maybe even 2 point something. It was 2 point something. Okay. I see your point, and I... I, this, this one's honestly a toss-up because, like, I mean, we're getting Nick's Noel than him, but it's like ah, that's a good point. It's just, it the, was the, what the question two years ago. Yeah, it's a question mark. He's he didn't he didn't really have a good season last year. Yeah. Where Lynn, but I, I'm I, I'm honestly good at giving it to either because like he has proven that he is a good interior defender, and it's like I'm and my point for Lynn's going to be well, he played great down the stretch last season mm-hmm. in the interior. But again, that was only a stretch of games. He didn't even True. he barely played last season. I'm, I'm going to give it to Noel just because for career consistency. I think that that's going to be the the, the, I, yeah. the tiebreaker is just looking at just scope, big scope of it, and it's not even close. Yeah. So we'll go to Noel. Noel the to D and Len, and it just seems like whenever it's Noel Len, and again, this is a pre-training camp assessment. But yeah, um, give us a break. It's August. <laughs> you know about as much as we do. Yeah. You know, about as much as Mike Brown knows, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like it's, it's very thin margin between them, which just makes it so tough for Kaden. Is Scally going to get a point? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I was like thinking about it. We're going to get there. Switchability on defense. I mean, I, I tell you right now. Not Kata. <laughs> not Kata. Scal, I don't know. He's a question mark. I, I yeah, because I don't remember his defense, his lateral quickness. I don't. Well, he played the four. You think he would give him more of an idea of what he was like? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Honestly, I don't think it was that special. Is this not riveting conversation? Are you yawning? <laughs> <laughs> um, switchability on defense. I'm gonna. I don't know. I wish. I wish I knew a little more about Noel. I mean, I think that... Because Len was actually not terrible. Len held his own. Yeah. Although there were moments early in the season where he didn't, but it just seems like when Len is comfortable, he's comfortable, and he just kind of does everything pretty decently. Yeah. But Noel is Noel, and no matter how much Len moves well for his size, Noel's got to be the most laterally quick. He he has to be. And so, and and, you know, I don't want to, like, just dog on Kato. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a great like, opportunity. It's well, to be fair to him, like he's had some moments where he kind of can switch, but when you don't have the like the balance and the kind of ability to move fluidly, it really hurts you. 
Yeah. And he's already so susceptible to fouling at the rim, meeting guys there with his hands. What's he going to do when he's on a guy? Yeah. He's going to he's gonna be hugging him. Yeah. He's treating him like a one yeah. of them body pillows. He's got that. So, I think he just got to go Noel Len. Noel Len. I can call him Noel. <laughs> I always thought it was Nerland's Noel, honestly. Nerland's Noel? That's how, I, that's how he came out the draft. Nerland's Noel? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with Noel Len again. All right. I mean, that's that's Noel's thing is defense at the end of the day. Yes. I think that that is good. Now, this one's just tough because it's not like any of these guys are bad at rebounding. But who's the best rebounder? This would probably have been a good one to do research on the Here, stats. Pull, pull it up. I, I'm going to... I think Lynn. I think Lynn just is better at I boxing out. Lynn's got a great vertical size and he's got great you know body size, frame size. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's see. But Kate is... Like, Kate is a really nifty rebounder. He had some really nice offensive. Again, it's just fucking uh, summer league. But I mean, Kata deserves some. I mean, I think in terms of translatability to the NBA, that's his best. His best skill. That that's that's a uh, that's a good point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, Lynn has a. I mean, what am I looking at? Career Duke averages. Per, Duke, per, career per thirty six. I know. I'm trying to. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about that same. Dang, Noel, that's actually kind of a good rebounder. We're, oh, per 36 minutes. Okay, in his career, uh, Noel is 9.9 rebounds per 36. That's actually a lot better than I thought. That's pretty good. Yeah. I just want to get shit. I like Alex Lynn, though. He, Alex Lynn has a great body. He has a big frame, um, solid frame. I always liked his rebound. He's 11.2. And it's yeah. for 36. I, I I was personally going to give it to Lynn and then Noel, but I, I didn't really think much about Kata. I'm pretty sure Scal will not be in this conversation. But I like the per 36 to kind of do this. Let's see. Kata per 36, 10.1. It's a little higher than, uh, you know, uh, Noel. <laughs> but it's also in a very much more limited sample size. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just do Scal just, you know. Give everyone an opportunity to look or have their stats shown. Per 36, Scal. Rebounds, 9.2. So he's the lowest. His um, his career high just in non-per 36 was 3.4 his rookie year. In how many minutes? 18.5. And his most minutes a game in the second year, 20.7 minutes per game, he only grabbed 4.8. Okay, so no, not, no to Scal. <laughs> yeah, no to Scal. Well, I'm going to put Len down as number one, because I, I agree. Yeah. It's like, do I want to give it to Kata because I feel bad for Kata? I don't know, that sounds so mean. <laughs> I feel bad for him. It's a pity point. It, I mean, it it's, it's kind of like... <laughs> it is, that's why. Um, I'm going to give it to Noel. Noel. I am, but if you say Kata, if you strongly believe it's Kata, then you can, I will change my mind. Well, it's like the Kata. question of, like, is Kata, when you put it this way, is Kata a better rebounder than Noel? And I'd be like, not necessarily. Yeah. All right, Noel. <laughs> because at the end of the day, like, the two front runners for the backup five job going into camp, pre-camp assessment, is Alex Lennon and Marilyn's Noel. So we should not be surprised that it's Lynn Noel. Lynn Kata, okay, Noel Lynn. Noel Lynn. Lynn Noel. Um, inside scoring, Len, Len, right? Um, I think I looked it up and I think that both. Oh, really? (laughs) I didn't do the rebounding though, (laughs) but I looked it up 
And I believe that in terms of scoring efficiency, both an overall field goal percentage and two-point field goal percentage, Noel is more efficient. He's like, I think like 56% field goal percentage type guy and lends a little closer to 50%. And also, and I hate bringing it up because even if you get a good... I need to look this up. Look it up. <laughs> but even if you get a good version of you know, Nail Small, it's not necessarily going to be that one year with the Knicks. But that one year with the Knicks, I think he had an over 60% field goal percentage. Okay. Yeah, he did because he was he was actually right behind Holmes all year. Yeah. It was between them two. And he's he's the type of guy, too, that like when you watch... Like, like I've said on this podcast before, because of his limited action last season, you can... You know, basically watch every shot attempt that he's ever made because or ever took this past season because he didn't take many, and he continues to show some niftiness around the rim. You know, kind of up and under, uh, good patience to use a pump fake. I just think that if I remember that kind of quick little research of looking into the efficiency of scoring from them. Yeah, you're right. I honestly thought Alex Lynn shot a lot better last year. I thought he was like going to be in the sixties, but no, he shot fifty three. But it's better than it's better than Noel in Brooklyn. He only shot sixteen percent. What a rough go! <laughs> no, but in his time in New York, he shot. I mean, even in OKC the season before that, um, he shot sixty eight percent from the field. Yeah, which means he's probably higher from two. Um, and 61 in New York the season after. Then he kind of dropped to 53 in his last year in New York. Which was a weird La- year. Yeah, and last year he was just awful, 36%. But, yeah, career, he's usually hanging. He's at 44% for his career. But definitely in his better years, he's like hanging closer to 60 than Lynn. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were talking about it the other day. Or not the other day, but we were talking about the Netherlands Noel signing last month. Because you were... It was fresh off that New York Knicks year when they were trying to sign Holmes, the Kings, that is. And Nerland Snowball was always mentioned as kind of like a backup plan because he's another efficient scorer that can hit that push shot. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I think I think that that alone kind of earns Noel a, a, a go. I don't think it's going to be Kata, number two. For but inside? Does, yeah. Does Scal have any play on Len, you think? No, I, I don't. Not at all. I, I think Scal will get mentioned a little more for outside shooting. Which is our last category. And you asked, does Scal have any chance to get on this list and get a point? And I tell you, I think he does here. He's got an opportunity. I think, I mean, Lynn does as well. I was going to say, it's got to be between him and Len. Yeah. Um, granted, Nemus Keita, honorable mention for what he did last summer. Yep. Um, but I think he took, he took one or two this past summer league and you know, bricked him. But so honorable mention to Keita, but you know, Scal, Scal and Len. I think Scal I, gets it. He's a career thirty-five percent three-point shooter, which is honestly a lot higher than I thought. Still, his most three attempts in a season is point eight. So, yeah, I mean, very small sample size. And no, that's not even total. Point point nine at thirty-five percent. So I think Scal wins this for sure. Yeah, and I, like Len definitely gets credit, but like when you look at his three point percentages in his career, it's very skewed by his like thirty eight percent season in Atlanta. Yeah, which really helped him, and it's like he never replicated that again. And while he shot well at EuroBasket last year, I mean he never. I think he, he. I don't even think he took a three this season. You know. Uh, did he not? It I might have been t- some garbage time one. Yeah, I mean, I, he he takes him in the corner occasionally. I, I mean, let me look it up. I, I'm pretty sure he did take some threes this season. 
But um, at the end of the day, who do you want? Even if Alex Lynn has a higher career three-point percentage, it's like you'd probably rather have Scal be shooting more outside shots. It's more shots. in tune with his game. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, he's going to have to shoot. Oh, yeah, he did not make it three. He did the season before, though, at 28%. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Scout wins it. Lens number two. He can shoot the three. I've seen him make threes. So Scout two points. Gryffindor. All right. Let's tally this up. Huh? I mean, I think it's gonna be closer about Lynn and Noel than I think, but Lynn's gonna win, as we probably assumed. I just lost my place. Are you stupid? Maybe. You even turn on the light? No, no, We're no. We're doing I, it with the lights. We're having a lights off uh, I can't stand looking at Tony, so we have to turn the lights off. It's better for our relationship, you know? It's a blackout. <laughs> John was in remedial math, so it might take some time. Yeah, I have to count on my fingers. <laughs> okay. We have it. Wow. Closer than I thought. Very close. Let's go in reverse order. Kata, one point. Wow. Scal, two points. Wow. Surprising. Earning that bronze medal. He got that, yeah. He's looking at Katie. He's like, dude, I doubled with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, very close between first and second. First place had 11 points. Second place had 10 points. Len came out on top. Noel, just behind him. Yeah. Which is kind of how we imagined this would go. <laughs> <laughs> it was more for the Len noel case, I feel like. Maybe a surprise. Um, but... It is going to be interesting because I, I mean, I could see Noel winning the spot over Lynn. I really can. I, I, it's possible. It's 100% possible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be between them two. Lynn has, you know, he's been here for, it'll be his third season here in SAC. So I think he has the advantage in that sense. And he also played very well down the stretch. He's lucky he played well down the stretch. Or I'd say no, it's Noel's job. Yeah. Well, they probably wouldn't have re signed him. That's a good point. <laughs> but um, they probably would have brought back Chimezi Met. No. <laughs> I don't think they were going to do that. No. So, we'll see how camp goes. But, I mean, having I mean, Lennon Noel as your third backup three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the, better than having Chimezi Metu as your second backup. Yeah. Well, I mean, Holmes is supposed to be, but we know how that went. Holmes. What's up, Holmes alone? <laughs> well, you know, I had one more thing to say on this podcast. I'll say it. Um, Trey Lyles is the only Trey in Northern California now. So I can just call him Trey. Trey. He's just Trey. He's, um... Are you upset with the Niners trading Trey Lance? I'm upset with the overall situation. The situation. Yeah. The whole situation. Just the, I don't know. It's a weird, it's complicated. I mean, like, you can't just all pin it on the team. But, I mean, like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's never been able to assess a quarterback <laughs> and the 49ers always do stuff off of what John Lynch called early returns because he said oh the, you know Brock Purdy the early returns are good you know he said that about Jimmy Garoppolo before you gave him the biggest contract oh, ever and who goodness. else did you say that about I mean geez it's just I don't know it's weird it's strange but at the end of the day it seems like it's good for the kid Trey Lance and let's see what he can do um, but this is a King's Talk podcast. Yeah. And so the only Trey I care about is Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles. Who looks like a friend of mine. And I'm just like, I'm going to dump my friend and just be like, no, Trey Lyles is my top eight on my space. <laughs> like, my guy. Dude, I love so, Trey. So hit me up, Trey. What's up, Trey? 
Trey Lyles. Ice Trey. That's such a dumb name. I love it, actually. I <laughs> never thought of it. Ice Trey. It's where you got Trey Young. There's a double meaning to it because if he hits a three that ices the game, that is an ice tray. Yeah. Nice tray. Dude. More like mean tray. Okay. Well, we need to stop beating around the bush here and uh, let you guys go. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We, it's August. It's going to be September next time we talk. So hopefully a little more is going on. Training camp's nearing. Still about a month away from training camp, though. But I want to thank you all for joining in. And until next time, have a good one.